You know when you search for something on Netflix, what you get is only a fraction of what they really have? The streaming service actually has more than 18,000 titles globally, but only about 6,000 of those are available in the good old US of A. That means you're missing out on literally thousands of great shows. Unless, of course, you use ExpressVPN. ExpressVPN is an app that lets you change your online location, protecting your devices from unwanted snooping and allowing you to control where streaming services and other websites think you're located. There are over 100 different locations to choose from, which means you have access to thousands of new shows and movies no matter where you live. This doesn't just work with Netflix, it works with Disney+, Hulu, Max, a UK streamer called BBC iPlayer, and more. I was on a work trip in the UK during the final season of Game of Thrones, and I tried logging into my HBO account to watch a new episode, but the technology wouldn't let me because of geoblocking. And I wish I had this app at that moment, because I now realize how incredibly easy it is to work around that problem. Here's a more recent example. It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia is not streaming on Netflix in the US, but I just fired up the episode where Dennis tries to have a peaceful mental health day, and technology keeps interrupting his plans. All I had to do was open ExpressVPN, connect to a UK server, refresh Netflix, and the show just popped up. It's super easy. I've also heard good things about that show called Billions, but I've never been a Showtime subscriber, so I've never seen it. But it's actually available right now on Netflix in South Korea, and with ExpressVPN, it took five seconds to switch over and start checking it out. With ExpressVPN, you get high-quality streaming from devices like your phone, laptop, tablet, and TV, and crucially, it protects your privacy and security to keep your information safe from hackers. Stop missing out on great TV and get thousands of new shows with ExpressVPN. We got them to give you all three extra months free when you use our special link, expressvpn.com slash slash film. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N dot com slash slash film to get three extra months completely free. For the ones who know safety isn't a catchphrase, it's a culture. And the ones who help make sure everyone makes it home safe. For the safety-minded who watch everyone's backs, Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as safety assessments and training to keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Slash Film Daily for Thursday, July 28th, 2022. On today's episode of the show, we are going to be talking about the latest film and TV news. My name is Ben Pearson. I'm an editor at SlashFilm.com, and I'm joined on today's episode by Slash Film news writer Ryan Scott. Hey, hey everyone. How's it going? All right, Ryan. I'm glad to have you talking about a couple of news items here. Before we get to that, though, we have uh, some cool news here. Um, Slash Film is actually conducting a Blu-ray giveaway for the new movie, The Lost City, that uh, is, is either out or coming out very, very soon. Um, so I'm going to put on my best announcer voice and read this uh, <laughs> this quote here, um, and uh, I'll tell you guys how you can win. So, Own the Lost City on Blu-ray today, the hilarious adventure starring Sandra Bullock and Channing Tatum will take you on a thrill ride through the jungle to survive the elements and find an ancient treasure before it's lost forever. Critics are calling it nonstop fun. Bring the adventure home today and get over 50 minutes of bonus content, including deleted scenes, cast interviews, and much more. Rated PG-13 from Paramount Pictures. So basically, all you have to do in order to win this is follow slash film on Twitter and then retweet the contest tweet that we put up not too long ago. I will link to that in the show notes. So you can do two things at once. Uh, I enjoyed the lost city quite a bit. So um, definitely uh, we, we, I think we're giving away five Blu-ray copies of the movie. So uh, if you're interested, it's very simple to, uh, to enter and win. So, um, or try to win anyway. So uh, good luck. And uh, yeah, we'll, we'll go from there. So um, yeah, if I can chime in too, I thought the lost city was really, really, really good. So I would, highly good. I was going to ask you. <laughs> yeah, no, no, I really, no, I genuinely had a wonderful time with it. Like I, it, it's, it's not, 
it's not like the most inventive movie in the world, but it does what it does very, very well. Yeah, definitely. Okay, so we have three news items that I wanted to talk about today. Um, Ryan, the first one you wrote up that uh, I think this information came out earlier today, and that is that a Creed spinoff movie is in the works at MGM. Tell me about that. It sure is. Uh, So uh, we had heard a little bit about this last year. Uh, Dolph Lundgren had suggested that MGM was looking to do an Ivan Drago spinoff. Uh, And now that is happening Uh, under the title of Drago, much like the title Creed was uh, from the original Rocky films. uh, The plot details are being kept under wraps at this point, but uh, Robert Lawton has been tapped to pen the screenplay. Uh, He essentially got the job because he wrote a spec script uh, called Becoming Rocky, which was about the making of the first film. Uh, The executive saw that script, loved it, and then he had a take on Drago and so that essentially landed him a spin the, the job for the spinoff is what uh, wow what a yeah, fascinating was, thing like a behind the scenes movie leading into writing a spinoff of that same franchise that's really cool yeah and i mean who knows like if that goes well because they do have that becoming rocky script like you know you could you could theoretically do both but but in any event yeah so that's um that that's really all we know there's no word on a director no word on if Dolph Lundgren will reprise his role. We don't know if it's going to go back to like the late seventies or early eighties and like trace Ivan Drago's journey before fighting Rocky. Uh, It could be kind of a sequel to Creed two, but yeah, I mean, it's happening. That's about all we know. Um, Okay. the, The only other thing I can mention is that the Rocky franchise has consistently performed incredibly well. Um, you know, even even Rocky Five, which was not a good movie and sort of killed the franchise for a long time, made a good deal of money. So this is one of the more consistent franchises maybe in history in terms of return on investment. So I, I get it. So do you think part of this is because, um, and correct me if I'm wrong here, Ryan, but didn't Amazon recently acquire MGM or at least MGM's library? Uh, is that did I yeah, make yeah. M- MGM MGM is now now under Amazon's corporate umbrella. Yes. Okay. So, do you think that this um, announcement is sort of like a direct result of of um, Amazon looking to like tap into? I mean, obviously, like IP has been the name of the game for what 15, 20 years or something at this point almost. Um, so, do you think that this is just simply Amazon like uh, sort of turning on the tap and being like, "All right, release everything we got. <laughs> like, let's let's get going on, uh, you know, um, tapping these uh, the potential of all these different franchises." Um, it's possible, but given that uh, Dolph was talking about this back in December of last year before that deal closed, I believe, um, maybe, like, I think maybe Amazon could have been a catalyst in, like, getting it pushed forward, but, like, I mean, if you just follow the money, MGM has not had a ton of success outside of franchises recently. Like they've been struggling a little bit. So like, you know, cause even no time to die because the budget was so high. They had a, they, they rumor has, they didn't even turn a profit on that in theaters. So, so the, you know, this would make sense even way before that Amazon merger. So, uh, it seems to me that MGM could have arrived at this conclusion on their own in my own two cents. Okay. All right. So let's move to uh, Netflix and see what they have going on. Uh, the Gray Man recently came out. They're, um, they're big, like, I think t- around the budget of like 200 million, I think was the number that I was seeing tossed around. 200 mil. 
So uh, this is the spy thriller starring uh, Ryan Gosling and Chris Evans. And uh, evidently, The Gray Man already has a sequel and a spinoff in the works, uh, whether you like it or not. So um, unfortunately, we don't know exactly what those the sequel or the spinoff really is going to be about. We know that um, Ryan Gosling is returning for the sequel. We know that a lot of the, the same uh, folks who made this first movie are coming back, um, including the Russos who uh, wrote, or at least one of them, uh, wrote the or helped co uh, write the screenplay, and then uh, Anthony and Joe Russo directed the film. Um, so they're all coming back, um, and they're you know looking to turn this into a quote unquote major spy franchise. So uh, the spinoff is is kind of an interesting thing because um, in the press, the Russos were talking about how they wanted to continue to tell more stories about the Lone Wolf, who is a sort of a side character who has a, a pretty small role in this movie. And he's played by this actor named Danush. And uh, there's been, you know, uh, no real like confirmation that that's who this is going to be about. I've seen speculation that maybe Ana de Armas's character could get a, a, a spinoff. Um, our own article like suggests, I think jokingly, a prequel about Chris Evans's uh, sociopathic villain. Um, so, you know, there, there's a bunch of different ways they could go here. Uh, so, Ryan, I just wanted to sort of like open the floor to you. Have you watched The Gray Man yet? And what do you think about this news? Uh, because I was at San Diego Comic-Con last week, uh, I have I, I've got a backlog of things. Uh, so Gray Man, I've missed out on because uh, I'm desperately trying to get caught up on Better Call Saul before it finishes. So mm. that's the main <laughs> thing I've been focusing on. But so, no, I haven't watched it yet, but uh, I have many thoughts on this. Uh, <laughs> OK, tell me. Um, uh, so very quickly, <clears throat> uh, $200 million is about as expensive as movies get before they get to the realm of utter irresponsibility. Um, <laughs> and, and, I, and I would argue 200 million is, is irresponsible in almost any situation. Uh, and I would argue it was irresponsible in this situation. Um, you know, just for comparison here, uh, the gray man uh, earned reported 88.5 million hours in, in global viewership in its debut. Uh, Red Notice, which was Netflix's, what I believe still remains Netflix's biggest movie, had 148 million in its debut. Now, depending okay. on how The Gray Man fares, if it degrades more over time, it, it's not even going to beat, you know, it might not even top like the Kissing Booth 3 or whatever. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> right. Well, you know what I mean? So, like, so the, these are not. I don't know that that's what you want to see for a $200 million movie, especially when you get almost nothing at the box office. I know they did a little chintzy theatrical release, but that, that there's no way that that accounted for anything, mm -hmm. and, you know, <clears throat> as has been pointed out, uh, this is not an original thought by me, but let us never forget that Netflix very quickly announced a sequel to bright bright Two That was in development very shortly after bright arrived. Where is that at? Nowhere. Yeah. You know, really, really, if you look at Netflix, the only movies that they've made that have gotten sequels for the most part are like their romantic comedies and stuff. Extraction 2, which is also connected to the Russo brothers, is going to be one of the first exceptions in that. So hmm. to me, given how expensive this movie was and how expensive it would be to make more of them, I don't know. You know, a spinoff maybe because you can maybe make that cheaper. But to make another $200 million movie, unless Netflix is very much committed to the idea of we are going to do theatrical and we are going to make this make more financial sense, this might just be a way to sort of like creatively promote the current movie and maybe these things will happen because development is not the same as this is definitely happening. 
Yeah, that's a good point. It's always a good thing to sort of keep in the back of our minds. Um, I watched The Gray Man. I'll probably talk about it on maybe tomorrow's episode if we have one. I should mention to longtime listeners, uh, apologies for not having an episode yesterday. I, I mentioned last week that we may be a little in and out over the course of the next few days while Peter's out of town. Um, we may or may not have an episode tomorrow. If we do, I plan on it being a water cooler and maybe I'll talk more about my thoughts on The Gray Man. Uh, at, at that point, but um, yeah, I, I like the idea of maybe if you're going to if you're if you're forcing a franchise on us, then what you suggested, Ryan, makes the most sense to me a more pared down spinoff. Um, I, can, I can also I ask, can I yes. ask real quick general thoughts, like just a very quick, like good, bad. Okay, so uh, for comparison's sake, I think Red Notice was seen uh, by like a lot of our colleagues as like a blight against humanity, like one of the worst things that could happen, you know, like just a, a straight up terrible experience all the way up and down. And I found that movie to be just like fine. Um, I, I think I actually ended up liking the gray man a little bit more solely because uh, red notice. And it's, it's easy for me to compare the two, right? Because they're both like massive budgeted, huge stars, like clearly meant to kick off a franchise. So um, red notice is a con man movie. So it has like built in twists and stuff to the formula of, of how it's telling its story. And because of the combination of the filmmaker and Dwayne Johnson's presence and Ryan Reynolds presence, it, it just sort of has like a smugness to it. And like the idea of like, aha, like this is what was going on the whole time. And like, just the, the lack of, um, of overall quality to it. And combined with the, that little uh, hint of smugness just made me go like, ah okay, whatever this movie is, it just sort of exists. It's fine. Whatever this movie didn't, it is very just, it's like a straightforward action spy movie and it's not great, but it's also not terrible. So I, I came away and it didn't bother me with any of the, um, the only, (laughs) the real bothersome part of it was that, uh, Joe Russo shows up in a small role at the very end. I'm talking like, you know, five lines or less or something, but I'm just like, Dude, what are you doing? You did this in Avengers Endgame. You inserted yourself into the movie. This isn't like a Hitchcock thing where like it, nobody wants to see you act in these movies. <laughs> like just you're not like doing it for the fans or whatever. Like just stay on the sidelines. Do your job. Don't don't put yourself in front of the camera. So that sort of made me like wriggle my nose a little bit. But um, otherwise, you know, it's it's a fine movie. I, I really like Ryan Gosling as an actor. So I was happy to see him back. And uh, it's fine, Ryan. It's fine. <laughs> Yeah, that's how I feel like I'm going to feel about it. I just think for me as like a business minded guy, what you look at what Michael Bay did with Ambulance for 40 million versus this for 200 million. It's yeah. hard for me to imagine where another 160 million dollars goes. Yeah, you know, yeah, 100%. And, and Michael Bay doesn't have cheap tastes. You know what I mean? Like, like <laughs> right. you see you see parts of Ambulance where there were some compromises made, but mostly it still looks like a Michael Bay movie. You yeah, know, so yeah. I don't know. And Michael Bay movies don't look cheap. You know, so so I don't know. I sometimes I scratch my head at where the money goes. And this is one of those movies where I scratch my head. And look, I haven't watched it, but even the previews and stuff, you're like, I just don't see it. I don't see an Avengers movie there. I don't see, you know, I don't know. So so it would it would bother me a lot less if it cost a lot less. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I I think a big thing, you know, from my understanding of like the Netflix business model is a big part of it is they essentially buy out the actors up front instead of, you know, in the enormous and in the normal sort of um, box office, like the traditional uh, way of doing things, you know, people get um, back end points Mm -hmm. or like, uh, you know, they make a certain percentage or something um, off of box office tallies, you know, when you hit certain thresholds and things like that. And Netflix obviously doesn't do that. So they pay like 
astronomical sums to people up front. And I think just the the idea of like having the Russos coming off the success of Endgame, and I know like Cherry was in between there, but nobody remembers Cherry. Um, so I, I think the idea of just like getting them and then getting, you know, splashy cast, uh, a lot of them probably got paid very, very well. And I'm guessing that's where a lot of that money went. But um, sure, sure. I mean, a talent spend on Netflix is always an issue, but I mean, still... You know, because yeah. uh, yeah. I, mean, I think like even Blumhouse recently, Jason Blum talked about that as being an issue because Blumhouse's business model has essentially been upended by streaming because now actors want to be paid up front because there's not as much guarantee at box office. And mm-hmm. that was Blumhouse's whole model is they would give you back end, but they would actually pay out on it. They wouldn't like do crappy studio accounting. They would literally go. They would they were actually paying actors out, which is why people would work with them over and over again, because yeah. You know, but but so now Blumhouse, like the black phone cost 18 million because they can't do that anymore. Like they actually have to pay people. So it's interesting. Yeah. OK, so let's get into our, our final story here, which is uh, Avengers. The Kang Dynasty has found a director, Destin Daniel Cretton, who directed the Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings movie. Um, and also sort of hilariously came up, you know, directing very small indie movies like Short Term 12 uh, is going to be directing a gigantic, you know, mega budget uh, Avengers film. So, uh, Ryan, I just wanted to sort of take your temperature on this. And I think a lot of people were speculating that, like, maybe the Russos would would direct a, one of these big, you know, they'd come back into the Marvel fold and direct one of these. And I think Kevin Feige said right after Comic-Con, like, you know, the, the Russos are not involved with Avengers, the Kang Dynasty or Avengers uh, Secret Wars. So there's a lot of speculation. Maybe John Watts would would uh, take the reins here. And they and I was curious if they would go, you know, outside of the Marvel uh, roster. Um, but they have chosen Destin Daniel Cretton. What do you think about this? Uh, I mean, I think it makes a lot of sense if if because you know, the Russos have been very clear that they want to do Secret Wars. So if they're going to do either of them, they're going to do Secret Wars. And as much as Kevin Feige said what he said, I am still not convinced that they that the Russos are not coming out at D23 as the directors of Secret Wars. Interesting. Okay. That's my look. That's my because Kevin Feige, sometimes you got to read between the lines. Like he's like, they're not involved currently or whatever. He said, you know what I mean? I don't know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He wouldn't be an outright liar. Uh, is, yeah. is I guess what I'm saying. But anyway, um, as far as Destin Daniel Crenton goes, Shang-Chi, Shang-Chi might be the only unmitigated phase four success story outside of No Way Home. Because No Way Home was like, you know, that's almost another story entirely. But like, you know, there was like heavy drop off with Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness and slightly mixed reviews. Thor, again, the reviews have been kind of mixed. Eternals was the worst reviewed MCU movie to date. Um, Shang-Chi, like over 90% on Rotten Tomatoes in both critic and audience ratings. Uh, 430-something million worldwide, still at like kind of pandemic-y times where things were less certain. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, it did huge numbers on VOD and Disney+, Plus, I believe. Like, yeah, I mean, so, I mean, of course, I think if you're going to take someone and you go... Cause that's sort of what happened with like winter soldier, right? Like winter soldier was a much bigger success than like the first captain America that paves way for civil war, which is ostensibly an Avengers movie and, you know, paves way mm-hmm. for, for more. So I, I think if you're going to pick a guy, 
I think you go in house and I think he makes the most sense right now. Yeah, I was just I mean, I was kind of surprised. Like I like him a lot as a as a filmmaker and I enjoyed Shang-Chi. I thought the the third act got a little a uh, little wonky with the CG. Um I, I which, think the third act just just compared to the other two is not as good. It, the yeah. third act is very Marvel whereas like the first two are less. Yeah. Um, yeah, I agree with that. Um, but also there's like this whole, uh, sort of outcry going on about the VFX community and their relationship to, to Marvel right now. And we've, we've covered that on slash film as well. So I encourage people to do some, uh, some digging into that. If you want to know sort of why, like, I think Black Panther was one of the examples used, like why the, uh, the fight in the very end between Black Panther and Killmonger looks a little weird compared to the rest of the movie. Um, you know, some of these, uh, these VFX houses, um, don't exactly have like the, the full say that they would like in, in stuff like this. So um, I'm not exactly like laying all of that at, at Dustin Daniel Cretton's feet. Um, but I, and, and like I said, I, I like him as a filmmaker. I am just like a little, um, not curious, but like uh, surprised, I guess, that they didn't go with like, you know, somebody like Peyton Reed or something who has like more experience directing multiple movies in the the marvel house style um because cretin has only directed one film so far it is like a little surprising purely on that level i'm not saying that i would have preferred you know what peyton reed would do i'm just like you know a uh, macro view just like hey there are people who have directed mul- uh, multiple marvel movies that they could have ch- chosen and they didn't do that and i'm just like surprised at that choice so i i hope this pays off and i'm excited to see uh, you know how it works, but um, did, did you yeah. have that that thought as well? Well, n- well, maybe a little, but but I also they've got plenty of time, you know. So I think like he's got time to get it done, and 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 the other thing I think is that they're I don't they've already said they're not going to have the same directors do both. So so I think like he only has to focus on one of these gigantic Avengers movies mm-hmm. as opposed to two back to back. Um, yeah. and so I think like depending on who you get for Secret Wars you know, you might get that slightly more experienced person to do Secret Wars. And I have my own thoughts on who that might be if it's not the Russos. But, you know, um, I think I think uh, Peyton Reed might find himself a little busy one way or the other. Uh, Or or I think that uh, uh, um, John Favreau might take a bit of a step away from Star Wars, perhaps. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. I was wondering about that as well. That would Um, be that would be my thought. But I think like Peyton, although the, the thing I still think with Peyton Reed he really should get first bite at the apple for that fantastic four movie. Like yeah. that, that's like it, it really, especially they really seem to like working with him. Like mm-hmm. I feel like if you're going to let someone do it, like if he wants to do it, like if he still wants to do another big one, let him do that. Yeah. But you know, I, I could also see him going, what wait of an, an Avengers movie, whatever. But so I think yeah. you have some of those guys you mentioned could easily do secret wars. So, you know, I, I that that's my feeling. Yeah, I still need to see. I, I need to catch up on the the Destin Daniel Cretton uh, filmography. I've not seen uh, the Glass Castle that he directed with uh, reunited him with with uh, Brie Larson. I've not seen uh, Just Mercy, the um, sort of courtroom drama. I that didn't he made see Just Mercy, but wasn't wasn't Glass Castle? Was that the one that had um, Hayden Christensen in it back in the day? Uh, man, I don't know. It didn't come out that long ago. I think I want to say it was like 2017 or oh, something. Oh, maybe so... I'm thinking of a completely different movie that never. Okay. <laughs> Uh, no, no. Okay. But, but, uh, yeah, I guess I didn't see, cause I saw, I mean, short term 12 is wonderful. Mm-hmm, I've, mm-hmm. I've seen that, but I think I'm with you. I haven't seen a couple of his other ones there, but yeah, I need to catch up, but, uh, I'm really excited about Avengers, the Kang dynasty. I mean, like I, I get, uh, jaded about a lot of this Marvel stuff, but like Jonathan majors as Kang is just like killer casting. And I'm, you know, I loved the very end of Loki. So I'm, I'm really excited to see 
uh, him take a larger role in the MCU. And I think um, I think Destin Daniel Cretton will do a great job of like getting whatever he needs to out of uh, Majors as a performer and and whoever uh, the Avengers lineup is in this movie, which is like a giant mystery right now, a huge question right. mark of like who exactly is going to be in these films. But well, um, I, I've I'm mentioned, curious. oh, I've mentioned on this podcast and 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 on Twitter a bunch that I've been feeling a little jaded about the Marvel stuff recently. Um, and I will tell you, as someone who was in that Hall H room on, on last Saturday, all of those feelings went away. Uh, all of the footage <laughs> they showed, like I don't give a damn about those first Ant- two Ant Man movies for the most part. Mm-hmm. Ant-Man 3 looked incredible. And a awesome. little bit of Jonathan Majors footage is Kang, like absolutely the icing on the cake there. And, you know, all of the foot. I mean, the Guardians 3 footage looked looked stupid good. You know, I'm with everyone else that that. And, and I've got to tell you, Secret Invasion is the thing. If you told me that was a $200 million movie, I'd believe you. Ooh, um, wow. A lot of those shows have looked cheap. Holy crap. Like, I, you know, so I... I I got every bit of faith. This is going to be awesome. I think we're kind of going to get out of the weeds here for sure. Okay, man, your hype meters off the charts here. I'm excited to hear it, Ryan. <laughs> um, cool. All right. Well, yeah, I think that's going to do it for today's episode of the podcast. Like I said, I'm not sure if we're going to have an episode tomorrow. Fingers crossed we will. Um, and in any case, you can uh, uh, go into the show notes and read more about the stories that we mentioned and also find that contest tweet about the, the Lost City Blu-ray giveaway that, you're do- that we're doing. Uh, and you can find more about the stories that we mentioned on today's show at SlashFilm.com, linked inside the show notes of this episode. I encourage you always to go to SlashFilm, read the stuff that we're churning out every day, uh, join us in the in the content mines. There's there's so much good stuff coming out on SlashFilm.com all the time. SlashFilm Daily is published every weekday, bringing the most exciting news from the world of movies and TV, as well as deeper dives into the great features that you can find on the site. You can subscribe to the show on uh, Apple, Google, Overcast, Spotify, all the popular podcast apps, and send your feedback, questions, comments, concerns, and mailbag topics to us at peter at slashfilm.com. Make sure to leave your name and general geographic location in case we mention your email on the air. Don't forget to rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts. Tell your friends, spread the word. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you next time. For the ones who know safety isn't a catchphrase, it's a culture. And the ones who help make sure everyone makes it home safe. For the safety-minded who watch everyone's backs, Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as safety assessments and training to keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.